Commence primary ignition. Depend greatly on our own point of view. You must unlearn what you have learned. I'm looking forward to completing your training. Welcome to Coruscant Community College, a new podcast that focuses on studying Star Wars as text. I'm Craig Dickinson. And I'm Matt Leader. Today on the show, we're going to talk about the reason behind the creation of our Star Wars curriculum, The Hero's Journey. For most Star Wars fans, Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey, or the Monomyth as it's sometimes called, is a familiar concept, but its specifics might not be as well known. As outlined in The Hero with a Thousand Faces, The Hero's Journey can include up to 17 stages, although the order and their frequency can vary somewhat. But those stages, the 17 of them, are as follows. A call to Adventure refusal of the call, supernatural aid, the crossing of the first threshold, belly of the whale, the road of trials, the meeting with the goddess, woman as the temptress, atonement with the father, apotheosis, the ultimate boon, refusal of the return, the magic flight, rescue from without, the crossing of the return threshold, master of the two worlds, freedom to live. That's a lot for middle school kids or even high school kids. Yeah, it really is. So for our purposes, we've boiled down the 17 stages to 12. And it's just to make it a little easier for students to digest and recognize the patterns across different stories. So we also use examples from a lot of different movies, not just Star Wars. Uh, We talk about Avatar, The Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. And we, I mean, these are pretty familiar stories to our kids. And we have them kind of compare the outlines to Star Wars as we go. So at this point, we're going to go through the 12 stages, the boiled down version of what we do. We'll give you a brief explanation of what the stages are, and then a quick example from Star Wars that you should be familiar with. So the first stage is the call to adventure. The hero starts off in the normal world, but is then presented with some information that acts as a call to head off into the unknown and into adventure. In A New Hope, Luke receives the call in the form of a plea from Princess Leia in the hologram. And then what's followed by that is number two, the refusal of the call, which is really interesting. I always like to point this out to my kids that Luke has been wanting to get off of Tatooine this whole time, but he's presented with this call uh, with Obi-Wan as well, saying, hey, come with me to Alderaan, and he refuses. He refuses the Challenger journey. Usually they do because they feel a sense of duty or obligation fear, insecurity, or a sense of inadequacy. And that's what you see in A New Hope, where Luke literally says, I can't go, I have responsibilities, I have things to do here. And then comes the mentor figure or supernatural aid. Once the hero has committed to the quest, his or her guide and magical helper appears or becomes known. More often than not, the supernatural mentor will present the hero with one or more talismans or special artifacts that will aid them in their quest. And this is exemplified in Star Wars in the scene where Obi-Wan discusses very briefly the Force and gives Luke his lightsaber. And of course, what's interesting in this part is that these things are kind of melded together and also kind of flipped around in A New Hope, where the mentor figure kind of reveals himself in Obi-Wan and gives him the lightsaber and then kind of readdresses the quest that Luke 
refuses. So the mm-hmm. the order is not necessarily hard and fast, and so you, there's layers to it and variations. But it's interesting to point that out to kids too. But shortly after that, uh, you do see that even though the the hero has refused, ultimately they have to go on this journey. Otherwise, you don't have a story. So once they actually start, the next stage is crossing the first threshold, which is the point where the hero actually crosses into the field of adventure, leaves the known limits of his or own world, and ventures into an unknown and dangerous realm where the rules and the limits are not known. And in A New Hope, this is where Luke follows Obi-Wan into the cantina in Mos Eisley, which is Mos Eisley, which of course is famously referenced as a wretched hive of scum and villainy. Luke says, I'm ready for anything. And of course he's not. And as audience members, first time watching the movie, neither are we. And then come tests, allies, and enemies. The hero faces tests, meets new allies, confronts enemies, and learns the rules of the special world that they have entered. And if, you know, as we're teachers, we're talking about the rising action, this tests, allies, and enemies can really be a huge portion of the story that we're talking about. So this really begins in Star Wars when they meet Han Solo and Chewbacca, and there are various enemies that they meet in Tatooine uh, just by itself. Yeah, and this is definitely the stage that is really multiple stages kind of molded down into one thing uh, to really simplify things for kids that that's not just one test, there's not just one ally or one enemy, and they don't just show up at one point. They're coming in and out of the story throughout. So this is the biggest uh, edit, if you will, uh, for the Campbellian 17th stage thing. So uh, the next stage is the meeting with the goddess, where the hero meets a female figure of power and significance. Often they're supernatural and representations of unconditional love. And of course, what we have in A New Hope is that Princess Leia fills this role. In that, first, she is the one who sends him on his quest. She doesn't mean to send Luke on the quest. It just happens to be him who intercepts the call. And then, ultimately, spoiler alert, she becomes like family to him. And and actually in a very literal way. (laughs) But you also see her in, you know, dressed in all white. There's that virginal quality that very clearly sets her apart as this untouchable, higher just this kind of this pinnacle of female power. Next comes Belly of the Whale. Belly of the Whale represents the final separation from the hero's known world and self. By entering the stage, the hero shows willingness to undergo some kind of change or metamorphosis. This can be represented by Luke entering the Death Star and the fact that his life is going to be forever changed after that moment. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting one. Uh, I like that a lot because in A New Hope that you kind of have the belly of the belly of the whale. When mm-hmm. they get into the trash compactor, it's kind of like there's another level of that uh, as well. That's very symbolic of the of the Jonah uh, the Jonah story from the Old Testament, which a lot of kids are familiar with. And say, "Hey, you've heard of this story before. See what I'm talking about? These are things that you know. Uh, you maybe just didn't look at things uh, in that particular way." So the next stage uh, that we want to talk about is the death of the mentor where in this case, the hero must confront his own mortality and face the world on his own. Now, the death of the mentor might more accurately be called the separation from the mentor because the mentor doesn't always physically die. But in any case, the hero must be able to prove that they can do whatever they need to do uh, on their own. In Star Wars, though, it is, it's a literal death where Obi-Wan sacrifices himself or joins the force to be precise. He doesn't technically die. He joins the force. We know this. But ultimately, Luke 
must be able to prove that he can use the Force without Obi-Wan at his side. And then comes apotheosis, which is a sort of death and resurrection or rebirth. So the hero dies some kind of death, uh, physical, mental, spiritual, and enters a kind of a new state. And this is probably best exemplified in Star Wars during the trench run attack when Luke finally lets go of his conscious self and learns to rely on the Force. And it's that moment when he is finally in tune with the Force that he reaches kind of the ultimate purpose of his hero's journey. Yeah, I love that scene where he he essentially rejects technology. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can see him turning off his computer so that he fully trusts, which looks insane to everybody else, but he just says, trust me, and, you know, they do. The next next stage is outside help or rescue, which is interesting because even though the hero has needed guides and assistance all the way through the quest, they often need rescuers to bring them back to everyday life, especially if they've been wounded or weakened by the experience. I mean, we just talked about the apotheosis where they might physically die and be weak when they return. They need some additional help. And so you have this situation in A New Hope where Luke has finally given over to the force, but he's still not able to do it safely until Han Solo shows up and clears the path for him. And then we have the ultimate boon, which is the ultimate achievement or goal of the quest, the adventure that the heroes are on. And for this, we could probably say that Luke destroying the Death Star and saving the rebels, uh, saving his new family, is kind of that ultimate reward in the sense that this is the mission achieved, Princess Leia is safe, and the rebels live to fight another day. Right. You have this thing that's been set up since the opening crawl as the as the big bad, right? As the right from the, the thing that's going to destroy. Yeah, so it's there. And so if you don't have that destruction, you don't have the fulfillment. You What's the point? Right. right? Luke has to be successful. You can kind of see this this happening. And, and once he does, you have the final stage of Return of the Hero, where they return uh, from the journey with either this magical elixir or maybe just wisdom gained from the quest. Something that they've, they've learned or gained by this quest, they come back to the regular world. And now the quest is a different kind of quest. They must find a way to share the gift to help everybody else. So in Star Wars, Luke returns, in A New Hope, returns to the rebel base as a hero, receives the the reward and recognition. And as his journey continues, uh, especially as we see into the sequel trilogy, that that takes on a whole other level where he begins to share the gift that and, and the wisdom that he's learned. Even if reluctantly. Exactly. So even the 12-step kind of boiled down version that we have is still pretty long. And people have kind of riffed on the hero's journey, the monomyth, and made modern interpretations of it. One that I think is worth pointing out comes from Dan Harmon, who is probably most famous for his work on Community and Rick and Morty. And he calls it the story circle technique. And now there are only eight stages instead of 12. And I'm gonna read these to you very briefly. Without explanation, because I think you can see the connections to the hero's journey that we just walked through. Number one, a character is in a zone of comfort or familiarity. Number two, they desire something. Three, they enter an unfamiliar situation. Four, they adapt to that situation. Number five, they get what they wanted. Number six, they pay a heavy price for it. Seven, they return to their familiar situation. And finally, eight, they have changed as a result of the journey. 
And Dan Harmon later distilled it down even more to just eight words. You need go search, find, take, return, and change. And ultimately, this is still the hero's journey, just simplified and in a bit of a more modern form. Yeah, I love that. It makes it really accessible to a modern audience. And, and you know, the curious people will go back and, and look deeper. What are these other things that, that are hitting uh, these same story beats? Which mm-hmm. is ultimately, I think, what we want to do with Hero's Journey is, is the end goal is for students to look at the Hero's Journey as something that they're also on. You know, they're kind of on their own journey to become who they're supposed to be. And that's why these stories have such a wide-ranging appeal. And so one of the ways that we kind of build in interest to that is that there's a poster and it's available in, uh, it'll be available on our website in the, uh, in the curriculum folder that you guys have access to in the, in the Google folder. And it covers, uh, it has book covers from lots of different stories, modern novels that you can see. Uh, the hero's journey also exemplified things like uh, the maze runner, Percy Jackson and Olympians, hunger games, And I also like to have kids uh, look at the fact that even movies like Kung Fu Panda or Men in Black have Hero's Journey in them. The Wizard of Oz is Hero's Journey, and just about every superhero story that has an origin tale of some kind is Hero's Journey. You know, the one that I always think about for Hero's Journey is the first Thor movie Mm -hmm. when Thor dies in the streets. And then he comes back. And the first time I saw that, I was I had already been teaching Hero's Journey for a couple of years, was like, apotheosis, look at this. Like, it's so clearly illustrated in that movie. I just, I just love that part. And then I do think that it's worth mentioning when we talk about the Hero's Journey that this is really gender neutral. So it, it could be male, female, uh, yep. whatever gender, it doesn't matter. The fact that it's called Hero's Journey is simply because that's what... Joseph Campbell called it, but it could be the heroine's journey, the hero journey. And this is something that we briefly explain to students is that the gender of the hero does not matter. And we tend to say hero as like a gender neutral term where it's just the hero, the, the protagonist of the story. And I think that is worth bringing up at least briefly and mentioning that because we don't want this to be an exclusionary thing where people think that it's only a male hero. Exactly. It, it really, protagonist is probably even a better term for it because that, then it, you know, it means anyone. Right. And this is also a, a natural place to, to point out that there's a, there's a book called The Heroine's Journey, if you want to get really specific uh, on, on female hero's journeys. And those, it's by uh, Maureen Murdoch. It's called The Heroine's Journey. And those stages, there's, there's eight of them in this one. I'll go ahead and read those for you guys. Uh, Number one is shift from feminine to masculine. Two is the road of trials. Three, the illusion of success. Four, the descent. Five, meeting with the goddess. Six, reconciliation with the feminine. Seven, reincorporation of the masculine. And then eight, the union. But again, you know, these are, these are things you notice. So there's a lot of commonalities to, to Campbell's work and, I can't help but thinking about Rey when I when I see this, and again seeing that you know Star Wars has always meant to rhyme, and that this is really the rationale for the viewing order that we show, I show the films. You know that that Luke Luke's journey mirrors in a lot of ways Anakin's 
which mirrors in a lot of ways rays. I mean, that's kind of the way this works. And in my class, for the most part, I only show the first six films. And the reason that I do it is I really wanted to show a way that Anakin's journey was very much like Luke's, but diverged in some really important ways. And so what I would like to, at this point, talk about is that I use a particular viewing order, which I think we've mentioned this before, sometimes called the machete order, but that one leaves out the Phantom Menace, which I think you have to have uh, to fully understand and appreciate Anakin's journey. And so the the pattern that I use is I start with episode four, A New Hope, because we've talked about that if you're going to watch Star Wars for the first time, you should you have to start with A New Hope. And then Empire Strikes Back is the natural progression from there. And then I pause and I make him go back and we go through episodes one, two, and three before going back to six for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I just really want the students to wait between Empire and Jedi like we waited uh, because it ends on such a great cliffhanger. You don't know what's going to happen to Han. You don't necessarily know if Vader's telling the truth. But then you can come right back and go, yeah, he is telling the truth. Let's watch that progression. And when you do, you present the prequels as flashback and you see how Anakin's journey mirrors Luke's. A couple of really easy ways to look at that is where Luke leaves Dagobah, even though Yoda says not to, you're not going to be able to help your friends. And that's very much like Anakin leaving Naboo to try and save his mom. And there's, you know, disastrous consequences in both case, both cases. You end up seeing both of these characters losing their right hand in a duel with a Sith Lord. And another one that I really, really love is where you have Luke having to decide whether or not to kill Vader in Return of the Jedi. That's, I mean, that's my favorite scene versus Anakin having to decide whether or not to kill Count Dooku in Revenge of the Sith. And when you do it in this order, you really get to see those two parallels beautifully. Yeah, I do think that one of the strengths of the prequels is that it does make Vader a more sympathetic character. And it adds to this sense that, you know, Anakin is this full character. And I think that the redemption at the end is made a little sweeter in the sense that you see a flash of the younger Anakin right at the end. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's things I love how it colors in instances that and I don't know if, if it was intended to be this way, but I read it a different way than I did before I saw the prequels. The special, I'm thinking specifically of the line where, where Luke says, or where Vader says to Luke, rather, give yourself to the dark side. It's the only way to save your friends. Mm-hmm. And my original reading of that is he's just tempting him. He's just trying to get him. He's just trying to goad him into doing this. But after seeing the prequels, I was struck by the fact that now he believes that. That's what his rationale for trying to save Padme was. Yeah. He's not lying. You know, this is, he legitimately is, you know, believing this and, and offering this thing to his son that he has to convince himself that's true. Definitely. Now, before we go, I do want to briefly mention we will have a short break for Coruscant Community College uh, as we prepare for season two. And season two will be our first big kind of foray into film analysis uh, itself. We're going to take the different aspects that we've shared with you and practice a little bit of film analysis ourselves, starting with episode one. You can expect an episode for each movie that breaks down the film into our categories that we've shared with you that we cover in season one. And 
has our thoughts on the film, both as a film in general and as part of the larger Star Wars canon. Great. So as we close, we just want to say thank you so much for listening. Please check out our teaching resources at coruscantcc.podbean.com. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and Instagram at coruscantccpod, or you can email us at c3podfeedback at gmail.com. Coruscant Community College. Because the Imperial Academy isn't for everyone. This podcast is not endorsed by the Walt Disney Company or Lucasfilm Limited. It is intended for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. All names, sounds, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Disney and their respective trademark and copyright holders. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of Coruscant Community College unless otherwise indicated. Nothing more will I teach you today. You've taken your first step into a larger world. We will watch your career with great interest. What you have Coruscant Community College. Because the Imperial Academy isn't for everyone.